Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast. The beginning of any new endeavor can be challenging. There are unique practices, new language, and so many questions about the way things are supposed to work. This newness can be tricky to navigate and sometimes downright frustrating. In this series, we'll focus on addressing questions that people who are new to Christianity or are just starting to engage with scripture might have. We hope these conversations will inspire and encourage you to more fully participate in the kingdom of God. What does it mean to be born again? Because that's a confusing thing to consider. What is baptism and why does it matter? In this episode, we address questions about what it means to enter and participate in the kingdom of God. We'll help you unravel some of the confusions and distractions, freeing you to participate in what the Bible calls the life that is truly life. According to the Bible, true life is one lived in obedience to the Spirit rather than in bondage to the flesh. So one of the things that was confusing to me before I was a Christian, and honestly, even after accepting Jesus Christ as my Savior, was this idea of being born again. If you're not part of the Christian community, it just honestly, it sounds weird. Like, you know, I know what being born is. How do you be born again? Biologically, that doesn't make any sense. Non-Christians have no frame of reference for that. And I think even as a new Christian, it just sounds weird. I've gotten used to it over time. But if you're talking to brand new Christians, how would you describe it in a way that might make sense to them? Well, you're in good company, anybody (laughs) that thinks that, because that's exactly what the expert in Judaism expert in the law, ruler named Nicodemus thought when this came up. And this is one of the more famous passages in the scripture from John 3. And the the story is really fascinating because uh, this guy was a Pharisee, which meant he was like a seminary graduate in some modern modern, uh, analogy. There's a guy named Nicodemus, and he came to Jesus at night. And so, and he's, and he's, so this is an open guy that apparently is like, I, I, think you're, I think you're on the right track, and I don't want to do this openly at this point in time. I'm not sure yet, but I, th- I think you're on the right track, and I'm seeking. And I think this is early in, in Jesus' uh, three-year ministry, like the first year. So at this point, I don't think he's chosen his disciples. And so this... This is a guy, I think Jesus is actually asking Nicodemus to be his disciple here. And what Jesus does to disciples is he's always hard on them. I don't know if you noticed that. He's always asking them questions they can't answer and challenging them in ways that they can't understand. Why? Why Why do you do that? Like any great coach, right? You're pressing, you're pressing your players to get better. And, and that's what they signed up for. So this guy comes and and he says, uh, we know you're a teacher from God because you can't do these signs unless God's with you. Okay? So he's, that's a confession of faith. Right. I, I know you're from God. And Jesus says, and some, unless somebody's born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. So this guy says, I know you're of God. And Jesus' answer is, well, you, you actually can't see that unless you're born again. And Nicodemus is like... Do I crawl what, back in my what, mother's womb? What, yeah. what are you talking about? Do, yeah, do I crawl back in my mother's womb? What are you even talking about? And Jesus' response is, you're a teacher in Israel and you don't understand this? <laughs> it's a pretty bizarre yeah. interaction. Like, <laughs> yeah. you should have known this all along. So, so this is not something new as part of what Jesus is doing. 
And then he explains it, and he says, you have to be, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you have to be born twice. First, of water. So what is that talking about? Physical birth. Actual birth. Yeah, right. so you, you know the baby's coming when the water breaks. Right. right. So first of water, then of the Spirit. And then Jesus explains it as, like you can see the wind. And by the way, spirit is pneuma in the in the Greek, and it's ruach in Hebrew, and and ruach can be translated spirit or wind. Pneuma can be translated spirit or wind. Uh, if you have a pneumatic valve, it's one that's controlled by air. Right. So the pneuma is from from the Greek root. So wind and spirit are the same word. Just depends on the context, what we're talking about. And what do they have in common? You can't see them, but you can see their influence and impact. You, the trees are blowing. That's the wind. Well, how do you know? You can't see the wind. Because right. well, I can see the trees blowing. And Jesus' point is, I can tell if you can see the kingdom of God by your life. Right. Because... The Spirit changes you from the inside. And I think the reason why, uh, my guess, I'm guessing now, okay? I'm guessing if we, if we talk to Jesus about, well, why was Nicodemus supposed to see that? Would be because of verses like, um, I will write my law on your heart. I will give you a new covenant and write my law on your heart. You should have been expecting this that you're going to have a new covenant, a law in your heart, a circumcision of the heart. That's the same as a new birth. It's a starting over again, a, 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 a fresh uh, approach to life. He should have been expecting that. Yeah, I think the, the, the narrative that Jesus talks about is, is about the kingdom of God, which is what uh, people are looking for. They're looking for a Messiah, but it's but we're looking for it in the wrong way. You know, some of the disciples, but obviously, especially Judas, the one who betrayed him, is looking for Jesus to kind of rise up and, you know, literally slay all of his enemies right. and establish a new, um, you know, government in his name that conquers the world and the way that we think about things happening. And one of the things that to is... To be fair, though, all the disciples thought all that. The, all right? of them did, yeah. That, that's, was, that's why they all freaked out after he died. Right, but one of the things that is so beautiful and mysterious about Jesus is he's saying, I'm establishing that kingdom, but it's not circumstantial about what's happening in the world. It's about the orientation of your heart. And so this, you know, the Bible also has this great verse that talks about coming into the life that is truly life, Right. And so this idea of being born again, I think, is about just reorienting ourselves towards the kingdom of God. Jesus has this great kind of interaction at the end of which he says, he like shows a Roman coin uh, with Caesar's imprint on it and says, you know, uh, give to Caesar what is Caesar, give to God what is God's. And I think what he's trying to say there is pick what kingdom you're going to serve. Um, and that goes all the way back to the Old Testament is choose this day whom you're going to serve. So I think this born again language is that language of, of orienting ourselves towards the life uh, of the kingdom of God, towards reality as God describes it and towards obedience, towards um, what Jesus is calling us to for our own 
self-betterment. And so, yeah, that you know, even in the Bible, people hear this and like, how do I be born again? That doesn't make any sense. But part of that is the journey that we're on of Jesus coming to us, just challenging our parameters and asking us to to rethink and reorient what we think about in terms of life, in terms of power. Life isn't just existence. It's not just breathing. Uh, life is is living in abundance, living well. There's a difference between surviving and, and living. And I think that's part of what Jesus came, came to do. And it's important in this same passage, uh, Jesus speaks about how to be born again. And then he speaks about the consequences of that. And he, I think he uses this analogy for a very deliberate reason um, that we can talk about. So first, how to be born again is through faith. And he uses this illustration of as Moses lifted the serpent in the wilderness. So that is a story that Nicodemus would have known very well. The um, children of Israel come out of Egypt. They're, wandering, they're, they're on their way to the promised land and snakes start biting them, venomous snakes, and they're dying in droves. And they pray for help. And God tells Moses, have Aaron, who was a, a metalsmith, forge a bronze snake and lift it up on a pole. And then whoever will look at that will not die. So he lift up, lifts up the snake, and anybody that looked didn't die of the snake. Now, they died of something else, right? But they didn't die of the snake bite. So enough faith to look. So Jesus uses that example. As the serpent was lifted in the wilderness, Nicodemus automatically knows right. what he's talking about. So the Son of Man must be lifted up. Now, Son of Man is a term that Jesus uses of himself. And it's, um, we could go into it, but basically it it's, can be used two different ways. One is just human, and the other is the, hum, the head human. Mm -hmm. And he's actually using it both ways. So the Son of Man will be lifted up. Well, what he, was he lifted up on? A cross. A cross. But it's the same thing. Enough faith to look. So what have we been bitten with? The sin poison of sin. World, yeah. yeah. So if you just have enough faith to say, I don't want to die spiritually of sin. They, they're physically. okay. I don't want to die spiritually of sin. So I'm willing to look at Jesus on the cross. Would you help me? That's it. That's all the faith that's required. And then you're born again. Now, how many times have you been born physically? <laughs> Once that I know of. <laughs> Have you ever met anyone that doubted whether they had been born? No. Physically. No. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make any right. sense, right? And so I think the reason why Jesus used that phrase or this analogy is because he does the birthing. Uh, so, and how much did you have to do with your, new, with your physical birth? Like, did you plan it? <laughs> did anybody no, ask your not. permission? Yeah. Nothing to do with it. It, it happens to you. Yeah, it just happens to you. It's, it's, it was given to you, right? right? Well, it's the same thing with the spiritual birth. You have enough faith to believe everything is given to you at that point. It's received. It's not earned. It's not, it's not uh, accomplished. It's received. And your point is only once. You're born once. Right. Once it's done, it's once done. Once it's done, it's done. Then the question is, what kind of life are you going to have? So you have the gift of life. When you're born, you have the gift of life. Did that determine your life? Of course not. Yeah. You have the gift of life. Now the question is, what is your life experience going to be, and who is that up to? That's up to me. That's up to you. So you receive the gift of physical life. Now who you become 
is a matter of what you decide. It's exactly the same in the spiritual walk. We receive and now we have eternal life. We're in God's family no matter what because he gave it to us. We, you, you can't undo your genes even if you hated your parents. Right. I know you don't. You love your parents. But if you just said, I just don't want these genes, you're stuck. Right. You're stuck with them, right? Well, it's the same thing. Now, we're in God's family. Now, but the question is, what kind of life are you going to have? So you have the gift of life beyond what you could possibly imagine. The, the phrase the, is aionios zoe in Greek, translated into English, eternal life. Life abundant life, the maximum amount of life. It's life experience is what it's talking about. Which is, it's not just quantitative, it's qualitative. It's mostly we, qualitative. We talk about eternal life, you might hear that term too, and you think of just like living right. off, on the timeline forever, but the eternal is actually a, a qualitative term as much as anything else. And it starts when you get the new birth, but then uh, its quality is depends on your choices. The presence of it is given. But now the experience of it is up to you. And that's the, that's the good news. Whoever believes would not perish but have eternal life. So you have eternal life. But as John says at the end of his gospel, he says, I've written these things. He said, I could have filled up you know, all the books in the world. I wrote these things for two reasons. That you might believe that he's the Messiah. So that's, that's how you get right. you know, enough faith to look on the cross and you get new birth. And that believing you have life in his name. So that's walking in belief and experiencing life. So it's both. Interesting, that's one of the few places in the Bible that says that. Most of the Bible's written presuming that you're already in the family. It's written to the family, presuming you're in the family. So that's specifically aimed at new Christians who... Yes, John's one of the unique places in the Bible that's actually aimed at here's how you get in the family and then but then what you do once you're in what what do you do with this stewardship what do you do with this gift he does both the vast majority of the bible's written to people who presume to be in the family okay so i'm a related question which is about baptism right, so you become a new christian lots of people will tell you okay you've made that decision now you need to be baptized obviously there's different forms of baptism Talk about what baptism is. Do you need to be baptized to be born again? And what role does baptism play in the faith? Well, it'd be worthwhile first. Uh, baptism is a, is a uh, transliteration, which means the, the um, translators could not agree on what it meant, so they just invented a new word. And the Greek word is baptismo, okay. so they just use baptism. Right. So there's a baptism of Moses. There's a baptism of the Spirit. There's a baptism of fire. There's all different kinds of baptism. So baptism is not a technical term. It means to be subsumed is what baptism means. It means to be subsumed. You could be subsumed by standing under a waterfall. You could be subsumed by, by being dunked under water. You can be subsumed by being completely engulfed in a, uh, in a team. Or it just means to be subsumed in something. Okay. And so... So you first thing, what does baptism mean? Which one right. would be the proper first question? Which one? Right. My answer would be, I have no idea. <laughs> well, yeah. So what the? Yeah. So then I said, well, there's a lot of different kinds of baptism. The baptism of Moses was, they walked through the Red Sea, they were subsumed. Then there's no turning back. Right. 
All in. They're all in. That's why, and that's what it is. It's all in. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is when you have enough faith to look, the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence. It's all in. It's, all, he, he, it's a filling. It's like a water cup. You fill it up. It's all in. It's all filled up. In fact, uh, Romans 8 says, if you ever have any doubts whether you're a believer or not, have you ever wondered? Well, that probably means you're a believer. Because you hear a voice, there's a voice inside telling you, Abba, Father. If you hear that voice, you're a believer. Okay? If, if you need some, if you need some you know, evidence. that uh, If faith isn't enough, that's there too. Okay? So that, and that's the Spirit speaking. If you, have a, if you feel a tussle, that's because the Spirit's there asking you, hey, do you want to go life or death? And the flesh is telling you, go death. Like that tussle is evidence that you're in God's family. So that's another baptism. Now the reason, you probably meant water baptism yes. for believers when you asked that question yeah. because that's the one that's been emphasized. Yes. Okay, but what I hope I've done is already unmasked the mystique associated with yeah, that, particular, that particular baptism. And that particular baptism has two different manifestations. Right? One was the Old Testament sort. The Jews got baptized like we go to Rosa's for for uh, lunch, they got baptized. Every time you turn around, they got baptized. If you go to the, if you go to the temple uh, in Jerusalem today, they've uncovered a bunch of the baptisms. They call them mikvahs in uh, Hebrew. I, I think I think that's a Hebrew term. Do you so, know? No, I don't. Okay. So sir, there's ceremonial baths. Yeah, yeah, and they and they got uh, they would uh, go in and um, before they went up to the temple, they, they would, would get, be cleansed. They would be cleansed. If you go to the high priest's home, he had one in his house because he. He got to be cleansed so much. You go to Qumran, which was a, like a monastery for a Jewish monastery. And they would, one of their main things they did in the monastery is write the Bible out, like hand copy mm -hmm. it. And before, when they got to the word God, they would put their quill down and go get a baptism and then write God and then go rebaptize. <laughs> that's so they, that's I mean, slow writing. Yeah, yeah, really slow. They got baptized all the time. And then along comes John the Baptist, still part of this Old Testament thing, and his baptism was a new kind, which was for repentance. And he's like, don't come get baptized unless you're going to change your heart. Because I'm, I'm, I'm getting you to change your heart, which is, again, part of the, you're a, you're a uh, teacher in Israel and you don't know this. It's from the inside out. And the whole biblical orientation all the way in is inside out. Serve, then rule. Inside flows to outside. It's all the way through the Bible. And what we want to do is get it back the other way around, right? Mm -hmm. So I'll finally now get to believer's baptism, right. what you're thinking of. That is you, you put someone, it, it is to demonstrate I'm all in publicly. Right. And in many times in uh, the Western church, that meant pers severe persecution. And it's still the case around the world many and it's a public identification. I'm all in. I want, I want people to know I'm all in. You know, what, one, of the, one of the great joys of my life has been able to officiate some weddings. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, one of the things that surprises people when I officiate their wedding is, like, there's very few things that we have to do in this thing. Basically, I've got to sign the certificate at the end. Right. But that's about it. The rest of it, you can write your own vows. You can... 
you know, take the traditional vows. Like there, there are some options. And I remember from my own wedding, it kind of hit me like, this is largely ceremonial because I'm already married to right. Kylie. There, in a spiritual, like emotional the commitment sense, that that has happened. This is a kind of recognition uh, that that has happened. And so I think in the same sort of way with baptism, we get bogged down in some of like, yeah. and there are plenty of people who would disagree with what I'm saying, but and, and they may be right. But I, I think we get bogged down in kind of the details of how to do it right. Really what it is, is, uh, you know, the are you fully immersed? Are you sprinkled? All these different different debates. Uh, to, to me, they're, they're largely unimportant. The point is they're, they're a public acknowledgement of what you have submitted to in your heart. In the Old Testament, um, there's this, a lot of the law is God offering a treaty to Israel, and the people say, yes, we will obey. He says, All right, so we have a deal, right? So I offered, you agreed, we have a deal. Covenant, our contract, the covenant. And uh, a lot of that covenant is uh, the people saying, I will follow. And that's sort of what the baptism is. It's a covenant of, I'm making a public, a public um, line in the sand here that I've decided to follow Jesus. That's but, really more for us. It's, it's more for us to say, I'm all in. Right. And the key, just as with everything, I, I can say my wedding vows to Kylie but then go on, continue to have relationships with other people. You know, I'll, I can live whatever life I want to afterwards. In the same sort of way, you can be dunked underwater and still live and the life. And not be all in. Yeah, and not right. be all in. The key is your heart. And that's so much of what the Bible is about. And what Jesus is saying here is like, this is about your heart. You can do these, these uh, you know, you can be baptized by the water, but it's like the key is your heart. So I'd say the wrap up, lesson there is don't get taken in by the symbolism you're either all in or you're not like it's good to do it if you want to do it it's it's a great public expression it's a wonderful way in community to express your faith Uh, you know i've been to a lot of uh mass baptism at churches where people Mm -hmm. are telling their stories and going through it's a wonderful thing but that's not the thing the thing is inside it's being all in Ceremonies are always expressions of something deeper. But the public expression is important because mm-hmm. you're making a declaration. Right. We, we tend to follow, uh, well, you know, where your treasure is, your heart is, right? When I make a financial commitment, my heart follows. And this is a public commitment, so your heart will follow. Right. Yeah, it's funny you say that on like a very micro level. We talk about goals, smart goals, right? And we talk about how if you just have a goal in mind, the percentage that you're going to achieve it is pretty low. But if you write it down, just the physical act mm-hmm. of doing something connected to it, it increases almost double. And then if you tell somebody out loud, this is my goal, right. you're, much, you're even more likely to achieve that goal. It goes like 80% or something. It gets, way, it gets yeah. way up there. So it's so the same I, sort of thing. I know when I, when I first made my decision for Christ, telling everybody was a big deal. Yeah. Like I wanted everybody sure. around me to know for that reason because that was my commitment. Like I would say that's a form a form of baptism. Right. It's a form of all in cuz you're now confessing. And that's actually uh, Deuteronomy 30. Believe, confess, do. Right. Yeah, so I I would say, you know, as people are thinking about all these terms and 
the bottom line is all, all important. It's good to know this stuff. The, the ritual is important. It's good to do this stuff. But the bottom line is it's in your heart. And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about giving your life to the Lord. It's what happens inside. It's the Holy Spirit inside of you. It's that internal transformation. Inside flowing outside. That, that's, the, that's the point, inside flowing outside. If you keep it inside or if there's a clash between the two, you're just going to make yourself really miserable. So when we talk about born again, what we're really talking about is an awakening of your heart. And uh, actually a new person. You actually have a new person inside. From the sense of the fall, like we, we were fallen from ourselves, there was a, uh, the, our internal harmony cr- crashed, which is why we self-rationalize. In a sense, when you're born again, the clash is worse because now you have a new person in there clashing with the old person. There's a sense in which the, 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 the conflict escalates. But the, the good news is that you can come away from this thing that brings death and walk in life. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening.